0: Welcome back. This is the Hack Attack Faro podcast. Mine is Pharaoh, just Hack Attack today, but with me in studio is a person who interests me a lot, Penny Ingram, Uh, the witty film girl. That's your Instagram handle, right? I cannot
1: believe
0: believe that the actual, the real witty film girl is taking time from her insanely busy schedule to waste some time with me. This is amazing. So (laughs) I've been following you, and that sounds you know, if that were outside the social media era, that sounds creepy, I've been <laughs> following you. I've seen your posts and we are catching lightning with this interview because you are a successful filmmaker. You're a very busy and by all uh, appearances, talented filmmaker. And that fascinates me because we got to address the elephant in the room. You're a woman and being a woman, we have to acknowledge this, right? The whole damn world a boys' club. Can you think of any more male saturated industry than the film industry perhaps and yet there you are standing toe to toe and really getting into it and and really just carving out your own niche and so that that fascinates me that interests me and we only have interesting people on so we're gonna dive into Well, that.
1: that's a relief <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so relax you're interesting that's why you're here but who are you <laughs> let's dive in tell me tell me who you are first of all and uh, you know, where you're from, and that's a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, so um, grew up in Utah, still here. Um, born Where'd in Canada, grew- uh, have dual citizenship. My mom's Canadian, my mom's whole side's Canadian, but grew up in Utah, um, Utah County specifically. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Orem, Lehigh, if anyone Orem, knows Lehigh. that area, pretty close to Provo. Yeah. Um, very very mormon uh area <laughs> um went to utah valley university graduated in digital media with an emphasis in cinema production um did freelance for a few years after that now i'm kind of in a, in a different between where i'm a video director full-time for a great company where we do product videos non-profit videos commercials all kinds of stuff That I used to do, doing freelance, and then I also do freelance on the side. So, hence my my busy schedule.
0: (laughs) Hence, yeah. So, let me ask you something. You say you grew up in this very Mormon conservative area. Are you yourself Mormon, first of all?
1: I grew up Mormon. I'm no longer Mormon. Uh,
0: Goodbye, big girl. Just a warning, heads up. We're gonna get deep. That's okay.
1: (laughs) No problem. (laughs) You know,
0: past, the, past, past what we see on the Instagram posts. So, what's crazy is you're doing something non-conservative, right? So, certainly by Utah standards, you're a woman, right? And yeah. If you're, if you're staying on track with that cookie cutter model, it's you're not getting educated. You're, you're you're maybe going on a mission, a shortened mission, and you're marrying a nice return missionary, and you're cranking out kids, making more Mormons, and doing what you're told, right? Right. Going to church every Sunday. You're not doing that, right? How no. did this this uh, fiery alternative, uh, you know, uh, light within you emerge in so conservative an upbringing?
1: You know, I ask myself that all the time. I don't really know. I think um, a lot of it has to do with my mom's Canadian. So I didn't necessarily grow up in a normal Utah Mormon household. Um, and my mom's a very strong woman. She raised three kids basically on her own. Um, she's always just lived her life by her own standards, not necessarily by the church or anything like that. And so she kind of, I guess, just paved a way for like me, my older sister and my brother to kind of just do what we thought was right in our own way and be independent. Um, Even though I'm, I feel like I'm not really anything like anyone in my family and I'm definitely not like anyone here. I definitely stand out. Um, I don't know. I I guess I just kind of like I took off like with my mom's consent, like just be your own person and be strong on your own and um, just kind of went with that. I, I guess um, I just always questions, question things. I was curious about things and I just I didn't like being told what to do. And so I just kind of just went from there. I was always kind of a weird kid and I loved art and music and and all these different things and I didn't necessarily fit in, but I guess I, I didn't care at the same time.
0: Your weirdness is your strength.
1: I guess. I don't know. I, I think that might surprise some people because maybe I look so normal and innocent on the outside, but I'm i am pretty <laughs> weird.
0: <laughs> you have that classic Utah County glow about you.
1: <laughs> I do. I definitely do. I look like I'm from here. so Nice girl
0: from Orem. It's
1: a little different. Yeah.
0: Here's what I like to ask people. So Utah question, how did you break away from Mormonism? How'd you get out? How'd you bust the cage?
1: Um, you know, it was kind of a a slow process. I don't think I was ever really fully in the church. I I questioned things from the time I was seven years old. Um, and so in high school, I really started to break away. And then, you know, it was just like a slow process, like you just find out more things and you just I don't agree with that. I don't want to be a part of this. And eventually, you know, I, I got my records removed and I feel so much better. Wow. And and Record. a lot of I mean, people don't do that. And and I just felt like, you know, what? I don't want them to have my name because I really don't believe in it. And that's kind of all there was to it.
0: Plus that, that requires a little bit of explanation for our non-Utah listeners. Anyone in the Utah <laughs> bubble, we know what she means by records but right. explain, that. explain that to the listeners
1: so i was baptized in the mormon church you get baptized when you're eight years old um and then your name goes into the church and you're a part of the church and you're on that the records it. right and so um once you get your records removed you're no longer a part of the church they no longer have your name or your contact info yeah. and basically you're just not not a part of it anymore so
0: going to hell in their minds, but you're free by sure all <laughs> all right all right so that's yeah that's Ooh, uh people will think of more you know that's the first thing that comes to mind when we say utah i'm from utah like, oh you're mormon are you mormon yeah people don't even know what what to look for mm-hmm. you know like i got all these piercings and stuff like no i I'm, I'm not mormon but yeah, yeah they once you're in it's uh, you have to do a lot of formal stuff to get out
1: yeah, I mean, it was actually pretty easy for me. There's a website called quitmormon.org, I think, <laughs> which is Almost pretty like, funny. Yeah, so it, it, uh, you just, you know, I think I just submitted a form and, and I was out in a few months. So. <laughs>
0: Mormoncancellation.com.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think the growth became so rapid that something like that needed to happen. So.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: So how,
0: why film? What was the early influences on you? How were you able to arrive by the time you're in college? Like, this is what I want to study. This is what I want to do. What were your influences growing up? How did things uh, aim that way?
1: Um, So my first love was music. I always thought I was going to do something in music. I loved, if we want to go really young, I loved the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys, if you guys want to know how old I am. Uh, (laughs) Um,
0: 90s girl, (laughs) 90s girl, 90s girl alert.
1: Yeah, so I loved... I wanted to be a singer. I'm a terrible singer. I don't, it doesn't come naturally to me. Um and in high school I took a TV and video production class and our first assignment was music videos. And I realized like I just love music, but I love creating as well. And I, from that point on, I think I was 15, um I just decided, okay, I'm going to be a music video director since I suck at singing and I don't necessarily, you know, have the tools or like the gumption to do like music full time. Maybe I'll just do music videos. And that kind of like eased me into it. And then, so by the time I graduated, huh?
0: You didn't play an instrument or anything?
1: I played guitar very poorly. (laughs) I, I I failed guitar in high school. Let's just say that. Like, it was supposed to be an easy class. I failed it. So, um, yeah. So I, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in film by the time I graduated high school. And then um, I'd always written stories and I'd always created stuff. But I don't think I necessarily knew that filmmaking was a job growing up. I just sort of did it yeah, I just sort of did it. And I realized like recently, like I had made videos with my little brother and because someone else had recently brought that up, like, oh, I used to make videos with my siblings and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to do that too. That's so funny. Like I used to like create these little skits and these videos and all these different things, but I just did it because I thought it was fun. Not because like I wanted to make a movie or anything.
0: Yeah. Sure, yeah
1: so in uh once i graduated high school i was like okay i'm gonna make music videos and then it just kind of spitballed from there i started writing a lot and then i was like okay i want to be a filmmaker and and it just incorporated everything that i love which is creativity entertainment music it's fun it's challenging like there's just so many different aspects to it that i was like okay like i can handle choosing this job because i had so many things i wanted to do this kind of incorporated everything into it.
0: You seem like a person who's not afraid to take risks. I mean, look how you're here. What total stranger.
1: You're
0: yeah. A <laughs> for all of her record, for all those listening, we found her on Instagram. We're like, wow, a female filmmaker. This is because we've had all sorts of filmmakers on this podcast. Uh-huh. This, this, we, this is diversity. We got to get, you know, and here you are. You're just, that's a, that's a taking a chance. That's taking a risk. And so it's just diving into that because I think anything in the arts, I think the bravest people on the planet are artists, because not only do you have to be vulnerable, but the arts don't pay. Right? It's a big risk right. to go and put all your eggs in that basket. But mm-hmm. the world needs artists. We are the voice of society. We are the brave ones, right? Right. You know, That's as what account- I
1: tell myself?
0: <laughs> yeah, accounts and scientists are important, but are they brave? It ah. takes a lot. Create creation is an act of bravery, because what it, you know, the second you create, you could be rejected. So. Yeah. That's very so you true. Did the UVU thing? You, st- you stuck in Orem,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so what? After that, you work for a company. Who do you work for?
1: So did you I get right to
0: to college.
1: No, I did freelance for four years right out of college. It was very hard. I went through a lot of different trials and heartache and just stuff that I didn't anticipate happening. Okay. Like you know when what? you. When you graduate, oh, say that again?
0: <laughs> what are some of your challenges? That's what I want to hear.
1: I mean, like, so when you, I took, it took six years for me to graduate college. I hate school. I'm a terrible student. Yes. Um, I feel hey. like a lot of people in the arts are probably, um, <laughs> or at least a lot of people I know. And so um, by the time I graduated, like there'd been so much, pent up like, okay, like this is gonna happen when I graduate, like it's taken me so long. Now I have all this freedom, no excuses. And there was just nothing. And I was like, oh, okay, now what do I do? Like, this is scary. Like I've spent so much time and so much money and sacrificed so much to get here. And I have nothing lined up, (laughs) (laughs) which is, I feel like a lot of people feel like that when they graduate college anyway in a lot of senses, but when you're in film, there's really no path. There's no like, okay, I have my degree, uh, give me a job.
0: i <laughs> trying to work my first movie set, yeah. <laughs>
1: no one cares. Like I, I did a lot of grunt work. I did a lot of PA jobs. I did everything I could find. Um, I tried doing a feature film, which fell apart. Like I did a lot of different things. I had to move back home. Like. I've, I was really broke like I mean like I, I think it's funny like when people um, say certain things to me like dude obviously don't know me like saying, oh like you're so privileged or blah 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 you have it so easy I'm like no like I I really did struggle and it was really hard for me to get here um
0: You've worked to where you've got. I've
1: definitely worked. Like I've been working for literally, I mean, if you want to include school 10 years, I've had this dream for literally 15 years. So when like people say like, oh, like you've been doing this blah, blah for so long. Like, no, like you just didn't see all the behind the scenes. You didn't see what was happening before I really started putting myself out there on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So now uh, now I'm working a full-time job, but like that's only been the last seven, eight months.
0: How much it really does last seven, eight months? Because, yeah. you know, tracking your progress across social media, you are always on set. You are yeah. always working. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're surrounded by some huge camera apparatus, cables, lenses. It's <laughs> amazing. Always behind a camera, always doing it. Like, like, f- f- theater, boots on the ground, in the trenches, doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's very impressive. I, I mean, you you work, right?
1: Right, and yeah.
0: Work is just that, it's work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's maybe not all the glam. I mean, you do have a great social media presence I mean, you got a lot of followers, but at the end of the day, it you're saying what, it's been eight months since you've really been like having a full-time gig?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I, I did a lot of freelance, but there'd be lulls where I didn't work for a month or two especially in 2020. Like, it's funny that I got a wow. job at the end of 2020. But like the beginning of it, like, I didn't have anything going for me. Like, it was very difficult. Like, I was just scrounging for work. And, you know, eventually things would come. And and when you do freelance, you just kind of have to get used to being in that place of um, survival.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you
1: you get used to um, okay, if this doesn't happen, eventually another job's going to happen. And so you just kind of, you know, I guess, psych yourself up (laughs) into like trying to be okay with not working for a little while, which is, um, it's nice with the freedom, but it's very stressful. So now it's, I'm in a different position where I can be on set all the time, every day in a, in a studio. Um, but I did really did have to work to get here.
0: Oh, uh, it's, it's that instability of the arts, but you're in it for a lot of the I mean, exactly what you're saying is what actors go through. Like yeah. You book a gig, but you don't know when your next gig is coming and you got to have mm-hmm. some tough bark on you. You know, you got, you got to, uh, you got to, you know, weather rejection and uncertainty and instability, right. knowing that the next gig is out there somewhere, somehow. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want, here's what is very interesting to me, what I want to know. Sexism, the S word. Let's talk about sexism. Yeah. <laughs> do you find, I mean, come on, it's there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, do, do. it's like when Trump said, America's not racist, come on, right? that be like, America's not sexist. So right. It doesn't pervade everything we do. You know, mm-hmm. I think in Western society, and especially America, we really gender uh, different careers. If Mm -hmm. I say doctor, so many people think of a man. If I say nurse, so many people think of a woman. What's a school teacher? A woman, right? Mm A woman can possibly be the surgeon. It's a man that's going to walk into the room. I think likewise, we think of all the famous directors, right? Scorsese and Spielberg, right? Right. How many people can name say, Catherine Bigelow or name as many female directors as they can male? It's a Mm -hmm. very male saturated industry. So- i imagine that you, that you are hit with those stereotypes or maybe have you ever come up against a wall where it's like your credibility is called into question just for the mere fact that you're a woman
1: Talk yeah i think i think for every woman our credibility is always tested no matter what um, but yeah it's uh it's kind of like a, an uphill battle where like society has always put this pressure on women that they don't necessarily have what it takes to be a leader. And then also, um, outside pressures of people just not believing in you. So I feel like it's funny. Cause I, I just saw something where, um, someone I used to work with who did freelance, got this gig, um, for this music video. And the the musician of the music video reached out to me a few months ago and asked me if I wanted to model or act in it. He doesn't know me. And so I messaged him back and I was like, oh, I don't act or model, but if you need a DP or director, let me know. Mm -hmm. And he kind of gave me this passive aggressive, like thumbs up and never said anything Mm -hmm. again. And I was just like, yeah, I don't do that. Like nothing in, in my Instagram, nothing anywhere says that I model or I act. And I get that a lot. And it's sort of frustrating, like just strangers commenting on my things saying, Oh, you should act. Oh, you should model. Oh, why are you doing that? Like you should, you should uh, do this.
0: You should coast on your looks, not your talent. (laughs) Right.
1: I mean, even just exactly, even just my last post that someone said, Oh, you're so beautiful. You should model and act. And I, I understand that a lot of people think that it's a compliment and maybe they think I want to hear it, but Mm. I, I almost feel insulted when people say it at this point, because I've worked so hard to get here. And I don't consider myself a model or an actor. I'd be a terrible actor. I hate being in front of the camera. Like stuff like this, like I love talking about film, but I don't necessarily like being in the spotlight. And the only reason I have my Instagram, the only reason why I feel like I've maybe flourished a little bit is because I love it so much and people can genuinely see that. But I, I acting is so hard and modeling is so hard. Uh-huh. I don't want that attention on me like that. And I don't want to be considered that either because I feel like I'm not that and I don't want to get it mixed up. So
0: seek the limelight like that.
1: No, and I and I understand how difficult it is to be like that. So I don't want to take that away from people who actually are acting and modeling and, and really in the trenches in that field. And so when people tell me, oh, you should do this, what they're really saying is, oh, um, all I see is your looks and you should just, you know, what you said, coast off that. And, um, why are you doing this? You don't belong here. And I think that's kind of what really stings is like this feeling of not belonging. Um, which, you know, a lot of artists, I guess feel like that, but like, I guess being a woman and necessarily, uh, I, oh gosh, I hate saying this. Even conventionally attractive women, I hate saying that so much. Nobody, <laughs> nobody say anything for, for me saying that.
0: Saying <laughs> but I'm,
1: I'm not ugly. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> let me put it this way: I'm not ugly.
1: <laughs> I'm not ugly, and I am photogenic. I don't necessarily like being in the spotlight. I'd much rather just show my work. But a lot of times, I just don't have work to show because it's a long process. Um, and so I, there's just like this weird uh, struggle that I deal with, like mm-hmm. being in the spotlight and then just wanting to show my work and then people saying, oh, well, why are you doing that? Because it doesn't really make any sense to a lot of people. Like, why don't you just be a model? This
0: is interesting. So what I'm hearing is you're acknowledging your looks. You're acknowledging, <laughs> that's a thing, it's there. It's like the elephant in the room, but it is quite undercutting when that's the only merit people see in you. Oh, well, she's hot. She should be a model on music. And just right. looking right past all your technical skills, schooling, and experience you now have. It's insulting, like you said. It's undercutting. And yeah. it, it, I think it's even a form of disrespect. So that's all they see. All they see is the obvious. Yeah. The obvious is how we all look. Yeah. The, the, there's, there's no creativity in acknowledging you how someone looks you're not seeing deeper right
1: right
0: but yeah it, it's uh that's the only merit they're seeing is the obvious
1: yeah um, and it hurts a little bit because like I, I've spent so long like trying to hone my craft and get better and and try to like you know connect with other filmmakers and try and create this somewhat of a you know community with other women in film and and um a lot of I try to get quality followers now. That's what I, I'm trying to like hone in on. Like uh, it's funny because I posted a picture not long ago of me wearing shorts. And apparently that was a thirst trap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Explain the phrase thirst trap for any listener. who might. Oh,
1: <laughs> so I guess it's just a picture that's attractive for people to like. I don't know, like, you know, like <laughs> women who post booty pics just to get likes.
0: You're, you're searching for legs of <laughs> thirst trap.
1: Which I thought was really funny because um, and, and then they said something like, oh, like, do you actually have work? Which I've gotten weird comments like that. And it's so obvious. All you have to do is swipe left and there's all my reels. There's my behind the scenes. There's my website. And so it's just people who who just think I have it easy and they just want to see what they want to see and they don't want to actually look through my profile and my work and my demo reel and my website. And I say all those things and then they don't say anything back.
0: You're, you're, you're no fun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's oh, obvious.
0: You wear a pair of shorts and all that other shit goes out the window.
1: Right. And I was like, I thought I looked nice. I was not trying to thir- <laughs> thirst trap anyone. I was wearing a nice blazer and shorts that matched. I'm sorry if you thought that was a thirst trap. I really oh, wow. was on set. You could see it for yourself. So
0: fuck. That really speaks to the whole climate we're in. Right? right? <laughs> that's brutally telling. It's like you think I look nice. I want to put my my professionalism and work forward, showcase that. People see shorts, people see leg, and they're like, oh.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Everything else is
0: nullified and void. Like <laughs> Exactly. Have you experienced, you know, anything inappropriate on set? Have uh, directors, men, anyone been inappropriate? Any harassment? Any uh, outright, blatant sexism? What's some? Of, what's some of your horror stories? What's some of those um stories?
1: I mean, now, I, I think as you get older, you just learn who to work with. So now it really doesn't happen at all. But when I was a lot younger, especially as an intern, you just get a lot of people who. I mean, as an intern, you're obviously not knowledgeable about everything and you're trying to learn, but you get a lot of people who are very condescending and people who make a lot of um, inappropriate jokes. Mm -hmm. So I I remember one time on set someone, I was like the head PA and people kept making jokes about how I like to give, I'm the head PA. So I like to give head and and like, I was like 19. And oh. when I think about that now, I'm like, that is disgusting. Because some of the people on set were in their 60s, and so uh, imagining that now, I definitely would have said something. But when you're younger and you're trying to like work your way up in the industry, it's very difficult to not be liked because you d- you want to get you want to get um, hired again. You want to work again. And it's just mean, like little things mean, like that. That—that's that, yeah. I didn't mean to laugh. By the way, that's
0: I think, you no. Know, you're fine. I myself, just <sighs> newly in college, an intern trying to make a good first impression. You're sort of helpless against such humor. Right. Good you know, what could you say? How much could you push back or be like, hey, that really makes me uncomfortable. they like, whoa, she's uptight too, you know?
1: Right. And, and that's really. kind of the comments you get if you do push back. And so eventually you just kind of learn to see the signs and what people are good to work with and what people aren't. And um, you just kind of don't put up with it and you kind of just make your own path. And I think that's why I started doing things differently because, I just realized if I'm going to get work and I'm going to do what I want to do, I'm going to have to do it myself.
0: Right, right. Make my so. own destiny. So, projects. What are some of your favorite projects or most memorable? What, what have you worked on?
1: Um. So I guess, man, there's so many different random no, projects.
0: I realize I'm asking a person who is, has a prodigious portfolio of work.
1: But, I don't um, know if it's prodigious, but it's very, very long. Um, yeah. Your more memorable
0: projects. What would uh, anything we'd know? Or
1: I mean the the last one that I did that I'm uh, I guess was my biggest project that I wrote and directed, and we did it on a micro budget. Um, well, was an action film, like a heavy action film that I've never done before. We shot it uh, in the fall of 2019, and then it got into the Utah Film Festival, which was the biggest film festival I've ever gotten into. Um, of course, the premiere got canceled because of COVID. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, no, robbery.
1: But oh. I did get in and it was a pretty proud moment for me because we we did it like for under $500 and we had these two great kick-ass stunt women who, you know, were kicking each other's asses, like throwing each other over each other's shoulder. We had a breakaway right. glass sugar bottle and they were doing some pretty intense stunts. And so like, yeah, I, it was just some silly five minute short, but I put everything I had into it and I got it into a film festival. And I was just yeah. so excited that I I did something like outside of work, out of, outside of being so broke and stressed. And I was like, OK, I'm going to do this and put what little money I have into it. And, and luckily, wow. something came out of it. You created so.
0: something that wasn't there before. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> What's it called?
1: Oh, uh, lip service. Um, it's I think you can find it on my website. I know yeah, the behind the scenes it. is um, it's on YouTube. Also, oh,
0: I'm gonna watch it like when, when this is over. I'm gonna watch it.
1: Oh, Okay. <laughs> <Lip> <laughs> no
0: service. judgments.
1: We shot it in one day. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> no. Yeah, no judging. Come on. They got into a film festival. Come on.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was a nice moment for me. Cause I hadn't done anything for a while just cause you know, when you're working and you're, you're freelance, you're really just working what you can get. And a lot of the times it just be live stuff and who am I going to show live content to? I never see it again. Like, it's not exciting. It's nothing to do with me. I'm just running the camera. Usually you're technical directing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it frustrates me when, when people say, Oh, can I see more of your work? I'm like, well, a lot of the times, like a lot of the work that I've done in the past, like I don't have it. I don't have access to it. Like I've worked a lot of jobs where like, I never even see it again, really? but you yeah,
0: product in many cases.
1: Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm not really invested in it. And it, it's not necessarily film stuff. It's live production. It's training videos. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now I am because all the stuff I've been doing, I'm, I'm directing and a lot of it. I'm writing and directing and editing and running the camera. You, you should act. I should act. It'd <laughs> <would> be terrible. <laughs> How big
0: was your crew for, for lip service?
1: um I think our it was 10 people wow was very small there three was two players two, 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 two main people and then uh, one cameo and then one other person who was in it at the end um but yeah it was very a very small crew in one location there was a lot of stunts and stuff to get through and a lot of other things that went wrong but we did you know
0: it <laughs> It's All about the finished product, the audience can't tell how big your crew was.
1: Oh, yeah, no, they don't. They know. can't
0: tell how that you shot in a day if the it, if it, acting's good, it looks beautiful, and the writing's solid. It's yeah, That's all yeah. you need. That's all, and I need. do
1: have my behind the scenes on my website if anyone wants to see because, like, I do, watch it's, all of them. it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty interesting to see like how much of a skeleton crew we really were like thinking about it now. Like there wasn't, wasn't much
0: help. But no one would ever know just watching it.
1: Right. No, I hope not.
0: (laughs) All that matters. I'm like, I will literally watch this tonight. What, uh, what's your, what's the worst onset story you can think of? Everything going wrong. Or like did you drop a camera or someone screamed at you or an actor broke their back or something cool? What do you got?
1: Um, I mean, the That's the crazy. only thing I can really think of that, like, that I really had, I was invested in was my senior project in college. Um, so I wrote and directed it and it was a narrative film. A lot of the films that you do for your senior project have to be documentaries. The narratives have to get approved by the professors and usually only one a year gets approved. And so what? two, I don't know. I can't remember why I, I think maybe... Oh, man, I can't really remember, but I maybe like maybe everyone just sucked at writing. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> <This is> only, <laughs> cool. only two got approved and mine was one of them. Ooh. And it was a, a film set on a farm with a, a grandpa was the main character and he lost his wife recently and his granddaughter comes to visit him and they're trying to rekindle their bond and so I had a horse and a sheep farm as my set (laughs) and they always say don't work with animals and I believe it because that was very stressful luckily I I spent like one day like one whole day to have all the stunts with the horse and the person who got the horse um she it was her horse but she wasn't necessarily trained that well outside of her own farm so the horse was very stressed in a new environment. Um, and I think the the worst part was eventually the horse got so fed up, it bucked our our main actor in the head.
0: What, kick, kick he like kicked
1: the actor? He head butted him. So he was sitting on top of him and he head butted him. Luckily he was okay and he was a good sport. It just kind of um, made his lip a little bigger for a little while um that was really scary the trainer started crying um because she was she was so stressed out because the horse was stressed um and then you know like I had someone else who I had no control over when you're in school you know you can't fire people or at least I couldn't and so there was someone in my group who was kind of trying to sabotage the project because his project didn't get picked and he was really angry about it um so that was very stressful. And toward the end of it, like it was, the whole project was basically on me to fix it. Um, oh my God. I spent a year, a year and a half on that from writing to the finished project.
0: You edit, I, you edit as well, right?
1: I do. So I, I ended up having to take over the edit because the person who was in charge of editing was the one who was trying to sabotage it. Oh I didn't God. want him to. Um, as soon as I took it over everyone's like oh this is making more sense I'm like okay good um
0: (laughs) jack of all trades you're Jacqueline of all trades I try
1: and so I mean and then you know I got it into the the UVU film festival didn't win anything nothing no awards (laughs) (laughs) It, it was so hard I was so proud of it um obviously there's a lot of things that I would have changed I I It was the biggest crew I'd ever worked with, the biggest story. It was a three-day project, like 16-hour days. It was a lot of work on a sheep farm in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Um,
0: It didn't win, like, Best Supporting Animal Actor, nothing?
1: Nothing. Nothing. Got robbed. So, yeah, a little bit. Um, But, you know, like, I learned a lot. And so, like, I I almost feel like it was maybe a good thing. Like, it really toned down my ego. (laughs) Mm, humbling. Very humbling, especially when you're about to graduate. I don't know if that's really the best time to graduate. But, you know, that's what happened. So. Yeah.
0: So I want to know your influences. I mean, anyone who goes into film loves film. What what are your favorite films? What influenced you as a kid growing up before you uh, went out to college?
1: Um, oh, that's a good you know, question. Yeah,
0: you know, What films do you did you would you like to emulate in your filmmaking, you know, stylistically?
1: You know, I love Sofia Coppola. I love her style of filmmaking. Lost I love in Translation. Lost in Translations, my favorite film. Um, I really love dark comedies. That's really where I want to go. I love the Coen brothers. Oh
0: yes,
1: They're so fun and different. And I love the dichotomy between something very serious and that is also funny at the same time.
0: What's some of your favorite comments?
1: Uh, I love Burn After Reading <laughs> and Fargo. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. um, he, they just have like this this great like, you know, you just laugh and it's so inappropriate. And for some reason, that's just so funny to me. That's I great. also I also love um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is one of my oh. favorite shows. Yes. like they're just genius they're and reverent. just yeah and like i i think i like i always love like dramas and stuff but i really lean toward like you know obvious dark comedies where there's like that drama and then that really um inappropriate laughter that goes along with that type of stuff do it's a
0: to being a utah uh, you know valley girl
1: yeah, I think that surprises people a lot. Like in my interview for the job I'm at now, I told them that and they're like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs>
0: like, Did that come up in, as a question?
1: I, yeah, I think we were talking about movies or something like that. And so I was just talking about like my favorite genre and all That'd that. Come up.
0: What's your favorite movie? What's your it favorite has favorite? to. Yeah, it's like, why are you in this job? You had to be inspired by something. Yeah. And that's the art form. That's the art form you're in.
1: Yeah, and I I also loved um, Parasite when that came out. I just think that movie's so wow. genius, and it that's definitely more a darker type film. But
0: oh, man,
1: man, yeah, I cried.
0: I oh, d- by the end, I'm like, whoa, much darker and sadder than I thought it'd be. Oh. Right,
1: but I just I love I hate movies that are just so sad, and you just they're so sad and somber throughout the whole thing. I think I get, um, I get really into film. So like, if I'm going to watch a movie like that, I have to really be in the mood, but for a dark comedy, like it just takes you on this roller coaster, and it's almost like, it's fun to anticipate what's going to happen next. And I do like the inappropriate humor for some reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it satisfies a subliminal uh, rebellion in you.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's what real life is anyway. Like when things you know, not everything's so sad all the time. Sometimes you could be having a mental breakdown and laugh in the middle of it. So like, that's really more what real life is to me.
0: Life is irreverent, I would say.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Life
0: doesn't take itself too seriously. You can get shitty and get hard, but like, you know,
1: life's R-rated
0: and life's irreverent, I would say. Exactly. Definitely not uh, rated G. (laughs) Definitely. Right. I would say. Uh, what are you working on now? So you're, who do you work for? You said what company?
1: So I work for a company called Maloof companies. Um, I like to say it's a furniture tech company. So we own a lot of different types of companies. Um, we just acquired like a a company that's kind of like hello fresh. We have a nonprofit for human trafficking. Um, it's kind of all over the place, which I love because that's what I did as a freelancer. Um, And, you know, I have a lot of freedom and I have like certain brands that I work with. And I just wrote a couple commercials that just got approved. So I get to direct Uh, those, which is really fun.
0: You do it all. You write, you direct, you DP, director of photography. So you you have a hand in cinematography behind the camera and you edit. Yes. Like a quadruple pentuple threat. Kind of. (laughs) I feel when, like
1: I'm more, I'm better at writing and directing, but uh, the DP stuff and the editing stuff kind of came with it, as uh, you know, I had to do it. So man,
0: when you start modeling and acting, I mean, the world, it's-, it's right?
1: More, I don't know how I'm gonna run the camera and act at the same time, but <laughs> we'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> oh, the big, the big, the big names do it all the time. Charlie <laughs> Chaplin did it. You, you got this. That's true. Oh, <laughs> That's unbelievable. So, you, so you basically have a hand in commercials. You're shooting PSAs. You're shooting commercials. You're that's the company you work for,
1: right? You yes.
0: Know, going out content for those big issues. Mm-hmm. So this stuff's on TV. Like I, I could see something that the next human trafficking commercial I see, it's directed by you.
1: I mean, it, it's kind of all over the place. Um, I mean, sometimes I'm DPing on it. Sometimes, I mean, the last one I was scripty and second AC on it. So, but then like my own brands, I'm always directing, I'm always editing, DPing and all that type of stuff. So it's online, it's on TV, it's, it's a whole bunch of things. <laughs> you
0: are out there, you're the Real McCoy, you're doing it. What, uh, what's next for you? What are you, you, any passionate private project you got in the works?
1: Um, so a, a random project that I'm trying to focus on now because I tend to go back and forth without um, finishing anything. But right now I'm working on my, so I have an ebook called Get Your Story Straight. It's a workbook for beginner storytellers. Um, and right now I'm trying to turn it into a hard copy as well as a coloring book. So it's, uh, it's a workbook slash coloring book for beginner writers. I love storytelling. I took a lot of story class, storytelling classes in school And then I also do script consulting on the side. And so I love talking about it and I just started writing it when COVID hit and I realized like I had a lot of fun writing it. And so I'm trying to expand that into a hard copy. And I had someone recently read it that told me I should get it published. So that's really what I'm focusing on right now. Get your story straight. Yes, that's on my website as well.
0: Look for it soon at Barnes and Nobles, hopefully.
1: Hopefully that, that made me feel good when he said I should try and get it published. It was, it was good. Cause he's also a writer. And so I've never really considered myself a writer, but I, I really liked writing it. And so I feel like I, I could do it. Um, and that's when just a, a random thing things, to do.
0: <laughs> you a lot of things that you don't consider that you are <laughs> probably <laughs> you can do like pretty much anything. It sounds like, <laughs> I want your advice to women out there. So not only just uh, specifically women trying to get into the film industry, but women in general yeah. battling in fuck a man's world, right? Battling, yeah. trying to carve a way out into these male dominated professions. What's your advice to women out there?
1: Um, you know, like, I feel like a lot of things have, ha- have happened in the last 10 years of me working in, in film and trying to better myself. But the biggest thing That I kick myself for and that I wish I knew sooner was that I should be more confident within my own skills because I mean regardless if you're a man or a woman if you're not confident in what you're doing people are not going to believe in you Um, regardless of talent money passion whatever confidence really is the key to getting through life and I realized this within the last year Um, when I started working with people who were ahead of me, but weren't necessarily more talented or better than me in any way, but they hustled and they believed in themselves. And that really is the key to pushing yourselves because as much as I, I don't necessarily love being in the spotlight and I love strictly just showing my work on Instagram. I'm here because I pushed myself and I, became more confident in my abilities and my voice. And I really started putting myself out there on Instagram because I was working at a place where I was constantly running the camera. And one day I just decided, you know, I'm going to take a picture with me holding this camera on set. And I got a lot of likes and I was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I should start showing people what I'm doing on set, you know, cause I was working a lot, but no one knew. And so I I started doing that more and more. And then one day I woke up and had like 400 new followers from a post I did. And not that that matters, but like it gives you that confidence. And you're just like, oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, like, this is great. This is like a visual resume. This is a very easy way for me to tell people this is what I do because I'm terrible at pitching. I'm terrible at selling myself. I'm not a salesman at all. But you go look at, I I tell people, go look at my Instagram and all you have to do is scroll and you see all these different jobs I've been on, all these different cameras I've worked with and it's so easy. And so I started doing that for the last two years and only good things have come from it. So honestly, like the biggest thing is just like putting yourself out there and believing that you can do it.
0: That's right. I mean, (laughs) that's has such simple origins. Like, huh, maybe I should take a picture of me holding this camera. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so funny I mean you took a chance and it blew up yeah joke on you, you have like thousands of followers I mean we found you <laughs> right <laughs> wow. filmmaker this is this is awesome we need more diversity right we've right I mean, it's been all these men it's been all these men and they're great they're great on
1: mm-hmm. their fault
0: for being born men but there's not enough diversity how how I mean what's your uh, ratio would you say how many other women like you do you encounter on sets
1: Uh, I think being in Utah, it's probably a lot smaller. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of sets, even in school. Like I was the only girl in a lot of classes and I I think it's, it's strange. I don't understand it, but I also get it in Utah because a lot of women don't necessarily progress outside of the norm here. Um, and they don't. And I think I, I did a study like in school where women don't necessarily go to higher, paying jobs were like the second worst in the country or something crazy like that and so women just kind of just stay you know in non-leadership roles and a lot of things are non you know more conformist roles and I don't know I just um I've, I've always been sort of a tomboy since I was little when I was really little I wanted to be a basketball player when I was eight years old there's something well <laughs> um realized I hated it when I started playing for real but uh I, I was kind of always surrounded by boys and I always, always was always very active and I just I guess I just didn't care um and I didn't realize it uh that I was the only girl a lot of the times oh wow but, it was just normal so maybe it's just normal and I just got used to it and I got used to standing out a little bit and now I I kind of enjoy it
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a distinguishment right you're, yeah it distinguishes you from the the herd you're cut above the rest
1: yeah even even at my job like there's there's uh three other directors they're all men and a lot of people think i'm do not think i'm a director and so i i like telling i was like no i'm actually one of the directors that is fine
0: what they mistake you for like
1: uh uh, yeah an assistant uh someone referenced me oh are you just kind of a floater I'm like no I'm actually one (laughs) of the directors (laughs) I will be
0: directing you today
1: I am your director please sit down
0: yeah so I mean
1: it just makes me laugh now and um you know you get used to it but uh yeah at some point you just have to get used to standing out
0: (laughs) that's right be comfortable being different yeah I like that, good for you. Well, Whitney, I, I, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled that you took time to talk to, uh, talk to me. And hopefully you will empower and inspire women in particular, because whether you know it or not, you're role modeling. I think you're role modeling. I think you're modeling uh, admirable behavior, right? Especially for women, because when you walk into a room and you can't see yourself represented anywhere else, that's lonely that can be intimidating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That can be demoralizing. So, say, say a woman out there wants to be a filmmaker, and she hears this podcast, and you give her the impetus to go to school like you did or something. That's
1: worth it, right? Oh, so totally.
0: That that's good. You're you're keep role modeling. You keep you keep being the only one in the room. That's fine. <laughs> you be the lo- the the lone wolf. There's power in that. I'll try. <laughs> What's your Instagram? Tell us your Instagram so that you get more followers and get more uh, inspiration <laughs> out there.
1: Uh, witty film girl, just spelled like the word "witty film girl." Do not ask me how I came up with that handle. There was very little thought put into it. <laughs> just sounded like my name. I, I uh, thought it was a
0: play in the world with Whitney. I thought it was like, oh, that's very clever.
1: It's kind of a play off my name. um I thought putting my name would be boring, and so I came up with witty film girl, and it—that's what happened. So
0: <laughs> it's memorable. <laughs> that's that would be funny the interview is the core of like we have to know how did you think of your handle on instagram it's amazing I was like i have no idea <laughs> uh, that's, that's really good well we yeah we want to we want to uh, see what you're up to next we'll keep an eye out for you and uh keep doing your thing it's awesome more yeah. women in film more women in empowered roles
1: yes yeah thank you for having me
0: thank you so much take care
1: see ya